And so we're just going to jump right in, and uh, before I read, I just want to say this. This is sort of a, a culmination of everything that David has learned in his life. Um, this is called a psalm of praise, and um, he has learned so much. There were many highs to his life, and there were many lows too, many lows. And so this is sort of everything that he learned from his life of being a man after God's heart. And one thing that we're going to be looking at through this whole thing is that praise flows from knowing God. And so we're going to just jump right in. In verse 1 it says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commands your works to another. They tell your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of your glory of your kingdom, and they speak of your might, so that all the people uh, may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lift up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all who look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him, and he hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord, and let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. And like I said before I read this, we're going to find out tonight that praise flows from knowing God. And he starts out, giving an introduction and sort of teaching us a model of how we need to praise. Um, an example of what praise looks like in verses 1 and 2. And let me just give you my definition of praise. This isn't anything official, but this is uh, sort of my definition of praise. And it says, uh, lifting up and acknowledging what is deserved. Lifting up and acknowledging what is deserved. Um, we're going to see here in these first two verses, we see words like exalt, praise, extol. And so this is him giving us an example of what praise looks like. You're going to notice in your notes, I wrote the what for. Okay, this is sort of an uh, old, old term. My dad would always say this. My grandfather would say this. I'll give you the what for, you know. And so this is what it is for. Uh, why, 
uh, David is praising God. And the first thing that he praises, the what, the first what is that he has a relationship with God. His relationship with God. He says, my God and my king. He's acknowledging that there is a relationship. How's your relationship with God? You have a relationship with God. The next thing that he praises for, the next what for is his character. And he says this, uh, it says, I will praise your name forever and ever. And here's the thing, in, the, um, in that culture, your name is everything. There's significance in praising one's name because names are, uh, reflect the natures and the characters of the person who bore them. And we're pretty much the con- uh, conceptually equal to uh, their essence of being. And so when we're talking about praising God's name, it's praising the essence of God. It's his character. And the next uh, what for is uh, his actions. The things that God has done. The things that how God has been. The things that God is doing and the things that God will do. We talk about his character, but his actions are just an extension of his character. And so the things that he does reflects the very nature of God. And so we saw the what for of praise, and let's see how we are supposed to praise. And uh, if you are like me and like to dissect things and are very logical about things, um, if you can remember in your English classes or your literature class, Uh, diagramming sentences you will find out how we are to do it and it says here every day forever and ever every day I will praise you and I will extol your name how forever and ever so we have a great example of how every day forever and ever So once again, let me say this. Praise comes from knowing God. Praise comes from knowing God, and we're going to see that. And so uh, as I talk about praise comes from knowing God, it's, uh, there needs to be something behind that. As, as we know God and know him more, there's going to be more praise. And I'm just going to give an illustration um, of, of a basketball player. Uh, some of you may have heard him, Michael Jordan. He's... He's pretty, he's pretty good. He's good. And it's easy for the casual basketball fan to say, yeah, Michael Jordan, was, he was a good basketball player. But for someone growing up watching Michael Jordan, every book fair every year would buy a biography on Michael Jordan. Even as a person who rooted against the Bulls because they always beat my team, um, you have to admit that he is not only a, just a good basketball player, but he is probably one of the best, the best, arguably. And you start thinking about the things that he overcame, uh, how he did it, his work ethic, all the things that went behind it. You start realizing, oh man, this is good. This guy's good. 
I could talk to you much more about Michael Jordan than what I could about Dale Earnhardt Jr. For me to say, yeah, he was a good race car driver. That's about it. That's all I know. And so as we translate that to God, how well do you know God? How well can you praise God from what you know about him? A lot of times in church we can just say, get in the routine of saying, yeah, God is good. God is good. All the time, all the time, God is good. Right? Is there substance? And I'm not saying anything bad against that, but really, is there substance behind it? Praise flows from knowing God. And so we're going to, uh, as, we, as we go through this, I want to ask the question first, how do we know God? How do we know God? Uh, well, you know him from, from reading the Bible. He luckily reveals himself to us in the Bible. We get to see his character. We're going to be talking about that late, uh, more on, but we see his character, the things that he's done, the things he promises he's doing. Uh, there are a ton of promises in this book that as we get familiar with them, we can say, oh, wow. We get familiar with his character and in light and contrast that with, that with our character, then we're really blown away. But we get to know God by reading his Bible, by praying with him, having a conversation with God. We also get to know God by learning from other people too, following examples. Do you have people in your life where you can point to them and say, I can, I can see God in their life. I can see how God is using them. I would like to be like them in some way. Not everybody's perfect. People are People will fail you, but you can take an aspect of their life and want to emulate that. Or that they're pouring in you, they're challenging you. Do you have somebody in that, in your life like that? Another thing uh, that helps us to know God is by serving. Do you realize when you give of yourself that you're, you're sort of... Uh, uniting your heart with God and his compassion and your, 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 your giving of yourself just like he has given of himself. And not only that, when we share about him too. One of, the, one of the things is when you start sharing about God with other people, sooner or later they're going to ask questions. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to say, I don't know but let me find out. And when you start sharing with God and people ask questions, it drives you to look for answers, or, or answers to questions that they have. And so all of those things help you to know God more. And as a result, praise will flow from that. And as I talk about sharing others, that, that brings me to my next point. Sharing with others, that brings me to my next point of... Uh, what we see in verses 3 and 6 is that we have the responsibility to speak of God to the next generation. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell the power of your awesome works. 
and I will proclaim your deeds. All right, here's an assignment. That's an assignment for us. David's, David says it's, it's after seeing what God has done, how can you not share it with other people? And right there, that starts the cycle of praise. That starts the cycle of praise. God's greatness is described as unfathomable, mighty, wonderful, powerful, and awesome. And we are commanded to meditate on those works and then speak and proclaim them to the next generation. Parents, you got kids in here? That's your job. That's your assignment to pass your, your love for God to to praise God, live in a way of praise to where it shares that to the next generation. Generally speaking, our job is to live in a way of giving praise to God to where just the natural overflow speaks of Him to other people. It's the responsibility to speak God to the next generation. And in Deuteronomy 6, 2, it says this, uh, or 6, 1 and 2, it says this, that the Lord, uh, these are the commands, decrees and laws, the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing into Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy a long life. And so there we see the principle again of teaching the next generation. Sharing God is a form of praise. Sharing God is a form of praise. And I know we all could think about, of, of people who need to hear about a God who loves them, a God who who is compassionate on them, and we're going to be looking through this different characteristics of God but we can think of people who need to hear about a God like that. And we need to share that with him. Let's move on. We're going to see now about his goodness. And yes, God is good, but we're going to look at different aspects of his goodness. And verse 7, we're going to start. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak your might so that all the people may know your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all all he promises, and faithful in all he does. And so we're going to look at a couple of characteristics of his goodness. And the first one that we're going to look at is his righteous, that he is righteous. And in Psalms 33, 4 through 5, it says this, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice, and the earth is full of his unfailing love. And that opens up more characteristics that describe God. 
He loves righteousness and justice, and the earth is full of his unfailing love. And as we talk about the characteristics of God, I just want to point out that they're all the same. It's not like one overshadows the other. They all are item 1A, 1B, 1C. Like, they're all, it says God is righteous, God is justice, and we're going to see more that God is compassionate is the next one. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. I love these verses because it gives a true representation of how God deals with us compassionately. There's a lot of people that say, if you just trust in the Lord, everything will be great. That's baloney. That's not true. That's not true. I love this verse because it, it's, it keeps it, 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 it says it how really life happens. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. That is true. I love this part. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Just because you have a relationship with God, just because you say you believe in God, doesn't mean your troubles are going to go away. He does not promise to take away our troubles. He does promise that he will deliver you, that is a promise. We don't know how. I, sometimes I look at situations and I'm just like, wow. That's, that's, that's tough. But God works through that and he promises to deliver. I don't know how he does sometimes, but he does. God is compassionate. Do you know God's compassion? Have you experienced that in your life? Can you praise him for that? The next one, uh, faithful. God is faithful. How is God faithful? Can we think how? I, I found, I found a, a, a quote here because I was trying to think how, how do you describe faithfulness of God? Like, yeah, he's always there, but this is a great, uh, I think, definition of faithfulness and God. The faithfulness of God means God is unchanging in nature, true to his word, has promised salvation to his people, and will keep his promises forever. He is worthy of eternal trust, no matter how unlikely his promises seem. I love that. I love that. that for, for me, I don't know about you, but for me, that sort of took that uh, abstract idea of God's faithfulness and sort of just uh, made it clear to me that he is worthy of eternal trust no matter how unlikely his promises seem. I love that. I love that. God is faithful. The next one, God is loving. God is loving. This one right here sort of just wraps up the entire Christmas season. God is loving, and you'll see why. In 1 John 4, 7 through 10, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us, that he sent his one and only Son into the world 
that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That just encapsulated the Christmas story. That God, seeing us, seeing humanity in its filth and in its sin, decided to remedy that situation. And he loved us, and that moved him to send his son. Jesus came, he was born here, and again, I think Rob said this, it is the, it is the weirdest plan he ever sent. We are, people were expecting this king, this Messiah to come, and God sends a baby, a helpless baby. And the, the baby grows up, and he looks like he's gaining all this, this, this following and everything, and he's going to end up taking over, and all of a sudden, no, they're going to crucify him. And that was the plan from the very beginning. He had to die to take away our sins. You see, when... When we were with sin, our punishment is separation from God, and that's known as hell. And so he took our sins on him on the cross. And when he died, he broke the barrier between God and man, making a way for us to have a relationship with God. But that is how he, God showed love among us, that he sent his one and only son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. How has God shown you goodness in your life? How has God shown you goodness in your life? I hope you're writing that down. Let's move on. We see his generosity next. We see his generosity next. And it says, The Lord upholds all who fall and lift up all who are bowed down. The eyes look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him and all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. God is generous. How? Well, first he upholds the fallen. He upholds the fallen. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I love this. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. For this to happen, there, there has to be some sort of spirit of humility in our lives. The second part of verse 14, he says, and lifts up all who are bowed down. You have to reach out. You have to humble yourself to God for him to lift you up. The Bible says that he opposes the proud. And so part of praise is when we realize and when we give God his place, 
our also natural response should just be to humble ourselves a little bit. He upholds the fallen. The next one, he provides. He provides. Philippians 4.19 says this, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. Uh, you might not get everything you want. Um, here we don't, we don't really believe in the prosperity gospel of uh, name it and claim it. And God, you know, I'm not driving around in a, flying around in a jet yet. No, we're not, we're not in a, um, but we do, we do believe that God will provide what we need in the right moment. Uh, I would, if you, uh, I hope you guys would be able to, uh, write down ways of how God has provided for you. I could go on for hours. If you ever want to hear how God has provided for me, uh, I would love to grab a cup of coffee and just tell you about my last two years. It's been, uh, the only, again, the only words I can use to describe it is just stupid. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous how, how the Lord just keeps meeting needs. Meeting needs and, uh, and it's, again, it's incredible. There's been times where me and my wife have looked, we've, we've had an opportunity uh, to, uh, make a little money on the side and it's just all of a sudden there's this bill that comes up and it's the exact same number it's the exact same pre it's the number and i could give example of example in these last two years alone of how that's happened the next one we're going to repeat loving again he gives uh, because he is loving. He's generous because he's loving. In Exodus 34, 6, it says, And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. A lot of times, God shows his lovingness. I'm not sure that's the word. That is a word. Uh, but he shows love towards us, Sometimes by withholding stuff that we deserve. Man, if, if I got exactly what I deserved, I doubt I would be alive right now. I think, really, if I got what I deserved, I think everybody, but um, me especially, like, I, God is really patient. Let me just say that. And I'm thankful for that. God is very patient. And the last thing here in generosity is that he is approachable. He's near. And in verse 18, it says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. The Lord watches over all who love him, and the wicked he will destroy. Um, this is, again, these are the words of David. And yes, King David, and he had a lot of riches and a lot of highs. But the guy went through some stuff too. And I know as we talk about Christmas, for me, Christmas is good memories for me. 
I know that's not the case for everybody. I know uh, people just have different family situations and, or different things have happened, and Christmas can just be really a sucky time of year. But, um, and when we talk about God is faithful and he's near and we can approach him, we can go to him, and, and David saying that, he said that after going through some pretty tough circumstances. And I think we can, no matter how bad or not so bad your life has been, you can sort of look at what David has been through and been like, okay, like, there, if he can say this, I can say this. And let me just give you some examples. Um, when David was having a lot of success, King Saul became jealous of it, and he was forced to flee and live in, in, in exile until Saul's death. So he was just living on the run. David committed adultery uh, with Bathsheba, who became pregnant, and then killed her husband. Uh, he eventually uh, confessed and repented, and God forgave him, but the baby ended up dying, so he lost the son that way. Another son uh, committed uh, rape and incest, and that was murdered. That son was murdered, and the son who murdered that son wanted to overthrow David, and so he sort of went in exile for a little bit, and then that son had to be killed. So we're all talking. David lost three sons. That's 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 pretty rough. Uh, and then the, there's this other time that David ignored some advice and took a national census. And because of that, um, a plague, a deadly plague resulted and infected a ton of people. So the, the guy had blood on his hands. The, he, he, you, you, people say the worst thing to do is bury your child. Well, he buried three of them. So when he, we talk about him uh, crying out and saying, the Lord is near to all who calls him. This is something that got David through life. Remember, we're talking, as Psalm 145, he, he wrote this sort of at the end of his life. And so this thing, this promise is something he clung to. And if he could do that after going through all that, that's something that we can really identify with too. That no matter how bad the circumstances, whether it's our fault or not, God is always near. Let's move on with the last verse. And like I said earlier, I'm a very logical guy. And so when we read verse 21, I think this is just after going through all the characteristics of God, I think this is just a logical response on David's behalf. And it says this, My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. It's just logical, right? Remember what sort of the theme through this whole thing is praise flows from knowing God. And the thing about that is it's cyclical. It's cyclical. As we start uh, praising God and meditating and, and, and uh, 
listing things about God's character that we should be praising, that sort of leads us into more praise. And that's sort of how we can get to uh, praise God every day, forever and ever. Because it's a cyclical thing. The only way that cycle gets, gets broken is, guess what? When we start looking at ourselves and looking at our circumstances, we start thinking, ugh, we, there's a lot going on. And we start being sort of self-focused. But when we can uh, get into that cycle of learning about God, getting at all with his character of who he is, of what he's done, what he will, is doing, and what he will do, praise just flows out of that. And I like the word there, flows, because it's just something that happens, when you think of flowing, it just happens naturally. You don't have to force water to flow, it just, it just flows. And the same thing with praise. If we are knowing who God is and really understanding who God is, praise is just going to happen naturally. And so let's finish with a couple applications. If praise flows from knowing God, the first application is, is there any substance to your praise? Is there any substance to your praise? When you say, God is good, what is behind that for you? Is there substance to your praise? The next application, during this Christmas season, has it been hard to focus on giving God praise? If so, why? And this last one, describe sometimes where God has been gracious in your life. Oh, I hope, oh, I hope that is not hard to do. I hope it's not hard to list off three, four, just immediately. As I said earlier, praise flows from knowing God. I want to close just by saying and making, making this statement, question. Do you know God? Do you know God personally? Have you called out to him to save you? We've talked about uh, the, the si problem of sin and it, it separates us from God. Have you remedied that problem? If that's something you're not sure about, please talk to me afterwards. Just grab me and say, hey, Derek, I, I, I want to know more about that. I want to know more about how Jesus saved me, can save me from that. Talk to me, talk to Pastor Rob, and we would love to have that conversation to, with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this time. Father, as we um, look and reflect upon your character, Lord, we just pray that, uh, Lord, that this is something that just flows naturally. It's a life of praise. 
Father, I just uh, thank you for who you are, your character, your name. I thank you for what you've done and what you're doing and what you will do. Father, help us to trust in you. And Father, again, help us to live a life full of praise. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in your son's name. Amen.